0: morning. Really glad to be able to get a chance to teach again uh, this morning. Uh, the guy who normally preaches for us, for those of you guys who are visiting with us, guy named Bryant Bales, is uh, getting to enjoy a gospel meeting out of town this weekend up in West Virginia. So glad to glad to get a chance to speak this morning. Um, if you want to, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four is where we'll start from our lesson this morning. And really, this uh, this lesson derived um, from a conversation I think is. Five years or so ago, that Jason and I had with uh, Brother Joe Bunting uh, up at his house at one of the camps that he was hosting, I just asked a simple question to him then, and uh, it's a question I think that we all should know the answer to. Um, And I I had some difficulty being able to respond to it at the time of at that time, and so I, I wanted to wanted to pose this seemingly simple question to Joe: What is the gospel? I ask that question to each of us. What's our response? How do we respond to a question just as simple as "What is the gospel"? What's our part in the gospel? What is how is the what's the gospel's responsibility for us in our lives? And, and when people may ask us the question from that are not a, not a part of the not a part of Christ, just what is the gospel? I mean, for me, at least, it. it it came from kind of uh, always knowing, okay, I've got to teach Jesus to people. I've got to tell people about Jesus uh, being a Christian. And I'm, uh, this is maybe about five years uh, being baptized at that time. And I, and I like speaking with people about Christ, but what, just what do I need to teach them? Can you pinpoint the details of the gospel with somebody? If somebody asks you the question, would you feel confident in discussing those details with someone? Why does it seem to me, for at least for me, to be so difficult just to answer a simple question? I tell you, a lot of folks, you know, we t- we tend to teach this five steps of salvation thing. And I'm not saying anything bad about that. It's just that we tend to teach five steps of salvation. But how much time do we really spend? On the gospel. Meaning in the church people are told that they need to hear, believe, confess, repent, be baptized. Which I think is a legitimate um, thing to remember. To kind of help people to, to see the end. But many people have heard the story of Jesus. But have they been confronted with the life altering convictions because of hearing. And being faced with the certainty that you are just a speck of dirt waiting for your appropriate destruction. Many people believe that Jesus existed and did some amazing things, but have they ever been faced with the reality of why he existed, or who he came to save, or what had to be done? Many people will say with their mouths that Jesus is their Savior, their Lord and Savior, but does their heart really accept the actions, or heart and actions accept the consequences? that will come because of their confession. Jesus isn't just my Lord Savior. He's also the Son of the living God. The one who emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, the one being born in the likeness of men, being obedient to the Father's will, get a father's will and gave himself as a sacrifice to any who will yield their will to his. Be that hypocrites, liars, be that drug users or, out, uh, or, or sexually immoral people, be that murderers or thieves or mentally unstable pedophiles homosexuals cowards idol worshipers gossipers the immodest and those will show immoral partiality I mean it's the list goes on of things that are there for that are sin Many will say they will change their ways they'll go to church more they'll pray more uh, they'll do better socially and morally they'll they'll be more charitable but will they fully repent of with the bitterness of sorrow for the thing you've caused to happen to Jesus. Many will enter the waters of baptism and subsequently walk in the deadness of their past sins. You know, we talk about those steps of salvation, and that's a good thing. It's a, it's a path that's easy for us to hold on to and to be able to teach the process but i want to answer my own question this morning what just what is the gospel what is the thing that has to be taught because that first step to salvation is to hear and we have to hear the gospel first i want us to spend our time this morning discussing that very topic for people need to hear the gospel they need to hear how scary it is at times how serious it is how much difficulty comes in place because you're witnessing the one who came and lived a perfect life. The one who lived in such a way that caused others to envy him and to ultimately murder him. In Ephesians chapter 4, in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll look specifically at verse 12 in just a second. But it says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists in verse 12, and the evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to, for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of, G, of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to, to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ for or excuse me from whom the whole body joint together held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love and this is the driving point for me at least is ephesians chapter 4 brings us the thought that, hey, there are leaders in congregations. There are uh, elders, there could, there could be evangelists, there could be folks that are leading in different capacities where they're teaching, however it may or very well may be. But their role is to teach everybody how to be a teacher of the gospel. Their role is to teach others how to teach the gospel so that the body of christ is built up as you notice it says at the very end of verse 12 for the building up of the body of christ and in verse 16 it makes that point again where it says it makes up the makes the body at the very end grow so that it builds itself up in love i'll ask you to turn to second thessalonians chapter one so it brings me back to my same point what is the gospel what is the thing that people need to hear I'll first start here with the scary part. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those, and we're jumping into the middle of a point, inflicting vengeance on those who do not obey God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we learn in this point that the gospel is something that can be obeyed. And that if it's not obeyed, the person who... The persons who do not obey are leading themselves towards this everlasting destruction. But what does obeying the gospel mean? What is the gospel and how is someone in order to obey it? So let's, let's define the word gospel. The word gospel just simply means uh, the good news. The word gospel just, just simply means good tidings. The word gospel is not necessarily just a spiritual-sounding word. It's just a word that in the first century just meant to herald something, to teach something, or come in with good news, good tidings. People would come in if there's a new king, and gospel that there's a new king. The word just simply means to bring good news. But if you notice how the Bible uses it, in, in Luke chapter two, verse ten, and I'll just reference quickly here. But the angel said to him, "Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you the good news, or glad tidings, of a great joy, with which we will be, uh, will be for all the people. For today the city of David has been born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." You see, there, and the, the angels reminding them that, it, that the gospel, this good news, is that Christ has been born. It's just news. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 36, it says, For the word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching and proclaiming the gospel, peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You see the weight that comes with this passage. That it's not just good news. It's not just news to be received. But it's news to be used. You see, the the message is peace through Christ. The gospel is peace to God. So let's dig a little bit further. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When I asked Joe the question, what is the gospel? He responded with this passage. This was the immediate direction that he went. What is the gospel? And Joe says, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And now I understand better why we went here, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to answer the question, what is the gospel? Now, in verse 1, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you. So here's the message. It's being preached. It's the thing that Paul has taught previously, which you received and which you, now, which you stand. So now, again, remember we talked about being obedient a minute ago. The gospel is something that you can be obedient to, into, something that you can stand in, and by which you are being saved, being brought to peace. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of the first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and he appeared. That is the gospel. Now, if you continue through the passage here, it talks about appearing to the twelve and appearing to five hundred more. Most of whom, we are, they're still alive. People during this time period that were still alive and hadn't fallen asleep yet that had seen Jesus after his resurrection. Then he appeared to James in verse 7 and to the, all, the, all the apostles. Verse 8, Last of all and ultimately, or excuse me, to as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am... Or I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked, notice what Paul does here, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Lastly, in verse 11, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. So they preached. They preached what? They preached the gospel. And people received it. They preached the gospel, people obeyed it. They preached the gospel, people believed it. So the gospel is just simply that. It's just the good news. So the question to me is now, at this moment, five years ago, what am I supposed to teach? How was the gospel, when you think about during the first century, how was the gospel taught? To others? Did they use the five steps to salvation or do they use another method to teaching? Those of you who were here in my Acts class a couple of years ago may remember some of what we're about to talk about. At times, and, I'm, and now I'm back here with us, at times I think sometimes we as Christians can think about the gospel as just being, or talking about Jesus with others as being just some horrible news, as it's the worst news that a person that's non Christian could hear. Like teaching someone uh, that their mother just died or their house just burnt down. It just depresses them to teach something about Christ to somebody else. We have an incredibly warped perspective of the gospel if that's the way we approach it. The gospel was viewed by Christians in the first century as the most valuable, grace-filled words ever taught. To the extent that they would not even allow one Person to uh, gratify themselves by keeping them quiet. The good news had power. We think about it, chapter one of Romans. Romans one 6, uh, sixteen says that the power—it's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel has power. The gospel is obeyable. The gospel means that we gain peace. The gospel was taught by ordinary men. It was simple to follow. In this simple format, there's a four-point outline, if you will, that we see happen in the Book of Acts, and I think this helps us to see the point that Paul's making in First, uh, excuse me, First Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul talks about Christ living, Christ dying, Christ being resurrected. The first point in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter thir- three, and we'll flip there. The first point in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 3 is the glory of Jesus. Chapter 3, we'll read from uh, verse 11 through verse 26. We'll notice these four points. I'll I'll point them out. The glory of Jesus is point one. So if you want to teach the gospel to somebody else, you've got to start with the glory of Jesus. Point two is... The denial and murder of Jesus point three is the resurrection of Jesus, and point four is the restoration found only in Jesus That's the gospel message that we see in the in the book of Acts. You can go through the book of Acts in multiple locations and see where gospel preachers were teaching, and they followed those same four things in their messages in Acts chapter three, and we'll start here in verse eleven it says. Setting up the scenario, the point that's here at the moment, is this lame beggar was just healed. This man who everybody had seen, this man who they passed by on their way inside the gate, had been witnessed by so many as lame, meaning crippled. This man's healed at the beginning of chapter 3. Peter tells him that he does not have silver or gold. He, what he does have, he gives to him. He asked the man to rise up and stand. Praising God and leaping around, he's, this, this man is so happy that he's now got his legs back. People around him in verse 10 are starting to be filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And in verse 11 it says, while he clung to Peter and all the people stood uh, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when they saw Peter... He addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we may have made him to walk? The God of Abraham, notice this, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, who? Jesus, whom whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer, and granted and to be granted to you. So point one and point two already here. Point three. And you killed the author of life whom you raised from the dead or God raised from the dead to this. We are now witnesses. Point four. And by his name, by faith in his name, he he has made this man strong. In whom you now see and the faith uh, and the faith that is through Jesus has been given to this man in perfect health in the presence of you all and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your, your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that Christ would suffer he thus fulfilled repent therefore and be turned back and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that time of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Christ appointed for you, Jesus. See the gospel message that he taught? The gospel message was just simple. Jesus was to be glorified. Jesus was denied. Jesus was buried or, or murdered. Jesus was resurrected and Jesus' restoration... Or excuse me, restoration is only found in Jesus. Let's also turn over to chapter 4. I'm going to show you this as kind of a theme. Chapter 4, verses 8 through 12 specifically. But we'll look at... Um, well, we'll start in 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people of, and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done by to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Notice again beginning point. Now they're with now they're in front of the council. Let it be known to you and to all the people that are uh, of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you by the builders, which became the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given uh, among men by which we must be saved. Again, that same thread. Again, Jesus was the we had that he glorified Jesus and then he denied Jesus and then they uh, murdered Jesus. They resu- he, Jesus resu- was resurrected and then obedience and salvation can be found through Jesus. That sounds all good and great, Mike. That's Peter teaching that. Peter would go on to do this again in Acts chapter 10, and we'll not spend too much time here, but just notice one little thing. As Peter's going through, in verse 36 of the conversation between him and Cornelius, he says, As for the word uh, that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Back to the passage we mentioned a minute ago. Peter's saying the gospel, just simply the Proclaiming the gospel, the good news. That's all good and God, good, Mike, that Peter's doing that. What about anybody else? Turn over to Acts chapter 13. Now, a different person, Paul, in Acts chapter 13, uses the same basic layout for a lesson. If you look at verse 16 through verse 32, you will see Paul using this layout. We'll We'll narrow that in a little bit to uh, verse 23 through 32. But as he's starting and the beginning at this point, Paul's given the floor, if you will. He's given the opportunity to speak, and he said, Men of Israel, in verse 16, you who fear God, listen. And then he goes along to proclaim or teach about their history, about Egypt, about the 40 years, about the conquest of Canaan, about the 450 years uh, of, from Judges until Samuel. They're asking for a king, uh, David, the man after God's own heart. In verse uh, twenty-two, and then you get to twenty-three, of this man's offspring, God has brought Israel a savior, Jesus, as He is promised. Verse twenty-four: Before His coming, he, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people, and John was finished, And as John was finishing his course, he said, "What do you suppose that I am? I, I am not He. No, but behold." After me, one is coming, the sandals of whose I am not worthy to untie. Verse twenty-six, brothers, sons, and family of Abraham, and those of, uh, among you who fear God, let us—excuse no, me—to us has been sent the message of, of salvation. Verse twenty-seven, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize Him nor understand the utterances of the prophets. Which are read every day in the Sabbath, or every Sabbath, filled, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found him to be uh, not, excuse me, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. So we already see the three. Beginning components of that outline. For many days, and for many days, oh, excuse me, in verse 30, 30, 30, but God raised him from the dead and for many days appeared to those who had come up with him from the Galilee of Jerusalem, or to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring to you the good news that God promised to our fathers. The good news that Paul brings is not fluff. It's not, say these magic words and you're saved. Say the sinner's prayer or doing these other things. He teaches them who Jesus was. Makes people confront who Jesus was. What Jesus did. To lead them to the point of obedience. Over and over again comes down to the fact that you see in verse thirty-eight. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of of sins is proclaimed to you by and by him. Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by under the law of Moses. And we see people over and over again through the Book of Acts when they get to this point, they want salvation. They ask for salvation. If you look in Acts chapter eight, verse thirty-eight. This one, for me at least, just says it simpler than all the rest of these. Acts chapter 8, verse 38, it says, And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scriptures, he told him the good news of Jesus. That's what people were taught in the first century, just, just Jesus. Teaching Jesus means teaching Jesus. What did he do? We can read the four Gospels and see the things that he did leading up to his this counsel and this judgment on Him. We can see the, the signs that He performed. We can see the miracles that He did. We can see the, the times of tenderness that He had with folks. We can see the parables that He taught. We can see God's glory being fulfilled in Jesus. And then we see the Jews giving Him up. And we see the Jews sacrificing this Lamb of God. You see, the first century... Philip, Paul, Stephen, Peter, all spoke of the glory of Jesus and taught Jesus. So, that being said, I want to look at a few just brief applications of this. Have you ever thought about sinful people having baggage? If you're teaching Jesus to people that are around us, if I'm teaching Jesus to somebody that's around us. (coughs) Do we have baggage? Do we have complications? Are we all riddled with our own backgrounds? What kind of people live in this community or other communities for that matter? Are there people that are addicted to alcohol or socially drawn to alcohol? What if somebody came in the back door this morning smelling like a bar? Are there people living in adultery with completely messed up lives? Are there people who are addicted to child pornography, sick in the head with unimaginable things? Are there people that have witnessed horrible crimes and are carrying around the baggage that goes along with witnessing horrible things? The people who have watched their parents get shot, killed, or fight over domestic issues are people who are just neighborhood gossips and the baggage that comes along with them. The, what about people who actually were the person who carried out the murder? People who just evade taxes and sell drugs. What about corrupt politicians? What about transgender people or gay people? Or pe- are, do, we, do we have those people in our town? Who cares about these people? Who cares about the people who go through sinful things. And Jesus is that person. Simply put. Jesus cares about them. So that should tell us that we should care about them. Whatever problem there is, there's going to be baggage that comes with teaching the gospel to anybody. I tell you, I wouldn't be here if people like that weren't here. Right? Jesus was willing to teach people that were involved with sin. Not just kind of like passingly involved with sin. He was willing to teach people regardless of where they were. Would you be willing to teach somebody the gospel? Just simply the gospel. Jesus lived. He was denied. He was murdered. He was resurrected. And salvation can be found in Him from all of your sins. All of them. And to help them through that baggage. How many of us in this room have been overcome with sinful pasts that in ways you wouldn't want the next person to know about the thing that you've done? I know that's me. But... The gospel is for people like me and you. Last passage. Ephesians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'll leave you with this passage this morning, and it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The admonishment that I need to hear more uh, more often as well is, you know, life is hard. We have struggles. We have kids and busyness that comes about. We have jobs and all of the problems that go along with it and the time that's consumed by it. seemingly everything that's around us. Do we spend time teaching the gospel to somebody else that's around us? Do we spend time daily talking to somebody about Jesus? I know that oftentimes I will fail at that just go through the day and and keep my head down and and go. But people need to hear about Jesus. And I need to have the same mindset that Jesus had while he was here. That even though he may have been busy, maybe he was walking from one place to the other, he would stop and talk. Think about the passage that's here in Philippians chapter 2, and I'll leave you here. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affliction, and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only at his own interests, but also the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is in your, excuse me, which is yours in Christ Jesus, whom who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, being humbled himself by the coming, or becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed him or on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, and in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God and the Father. Therefore, my beloved brethren, or therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What is the gospel? It's to have our minds changed by Jesus' example. And for us to be saved, for us to fall away from and put to death the sins that have so enamored us, have and us in all the problems that we've dealt with through our life. And coming to Jesus, the only one that can save us, the only one that can free us from the burdens of sin. And ultimately, getting to the point that I think here in Ephesians chapter 2, becoming of the same mind as Jesus, to having the same responsibility and respect towards those that are around us. You've noticed in verse 4 it says, Let each of you not only look out to his own interest." but the interest of others. What's the biggest interest in the world? Salvation from it. Let us uh, think about that this morning or as we go on through our daily walks of life today. And if there's any here that are subject to the gospel call in any kind of way, uh, please come forward as, as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.